0: Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. And my guest has just arrived in the studio right on time. It's Pastor Daniel Zelly, the CEO of World Hope Network, and we're going to find out a bit about uh, their organization and uh, their uh, incredible work they do in places like Cambodia, uh, Vietnam, uh, and also other places uh, – around the world, including Pakistan. Uh, Daniel's also part of the team at Glory City Church, and we share a building together in the middle of Kelvin Grove. I'll just put your microphone on there. Welcome along, brother. How are you doing?
1: Hi, Matt. How you doing? I'm really glad to be here today.
0: It's good to have you on. Now, I know you've been on our radio station before with uh, Neil Johnson, I think, and I've had you on before in the past, chatting to you a little bit. But for those who don't know your story, tell us a bit about where were you born and raised?
1: Well, I was... Re- Born in Brisbane, would you believe? Ah,
0: oh, local boy, hey? Okay. I, am in, I am
1: indeed. <laughs> but my dad was uh, an Italian guy and he came over with the migrants. And uh-huh. so even though I was born in Australia, my uh, uh, heritage is Italian and I was... Uh, involved in Italian churches to migrants in Australia. Really? Okay. Exactly. So I can eat pasta, eat olives, eat pasta, and uh, you know, <laughs> cheese and all that. I can do it like the best of them. Oh, uh, wonderful. So that's been good. my upbringing.
0: And what about your faith journey? Were you religious as a young fellow? Or-
1: yeah, well, um, I got a real touch from God at age seven, mm-hmm. and uh, that's where I uh, committed my life to the Lord. And then at age 13, I was uh, received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and had such an encounter with God that that sustained me all through my teenage years, and I've been on fire for God ever since. Wow. So it was such a dramatic impartation on that night. I saw visions of my future life, and some of those things have come to pass, would you believe? Yeah, wow. It's just been absolutely amazing. And so I saw visions, and, and it was such a dramatic impact, so... When I was about 17 or something like that, I saw some stuff in the church and I'm thinking, oh, you know, I don't know about that. And, you know, I I could have walked away from the faith for what I saw, you know, Christians doing. Mm. But I could not deny the power of God. Yeah, That experience, experience at age 13 just absolutely sustained me. And I got to understand that it's not... You don't look, when you look at Christianity, you don't look at the people necessarily. You look at towards God mm, and mm. understand that we're all working together, that we're all in progress, that we're all coming together and learning to love one another yeah. and put your faith in Him and have a heart of forgiveness towards people. So that sustained me. At yeah. Age 17, right through my uh, university years, always on fire for God, mm. always pressing forward, always loving Him. So it's been a great journey.
0: And tell us a bit about your early career. What, what did you study at uni? What did you do for your, your job after that?
1: Well, I did five years of uni. I did a uh, two degrees. I did, uh, firstly, a major in uh, computer science mm-hmm. and a sub-major in business. And uh, so that really set me up to be a management consultant with Price Waterhouse. Really? So okay. I was a, an executive for them for uh, quite a few years. Most of the um, blue-chip organizations that you would know in Australia, uh, I've had the opportunity of consulting to them. Wow. And uh, had a couple of projects, for example, uh, setting up the uh, uh, Foxtel network was one of my projects or changing St. George uh, into a bank from a building society was another one of my projects. So quite significant uh, projects. Gave me a lot of experience. And one of the interesting things about this uh, time was that they trained me around about $40,000 a year in training just on international negotiations. Mm. And I didn't understand it at the time. I was just thinking, what was all that about? But then- Later on in life, I saw that how God has a perfect plan and has used that in my work with World Hope Network. So praise God for that.
0: That is awesome. Okay. And then what was your journey into ministry after all those years consulting?
1: Well, I always had a heart for ministry. This is a a great story. Uh, When I received my touch uh, at 13, I I wanted to go to Bible college then. Mm -hmm. Uh, The only trouble is that I don't let people in under 18 uh, years of age. (laughs) So my dad said I had to wait. And um and in the Italian culture, the the father has a lot of influence, and there's a it's a respect culture. So to go against your father uh, is not a great thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I love my dad. He was a great dad, so I really respected him. Whatever he said, I really paid attention to it. And uh, even in my uh, younger years, when I didn't quite understand what he was talking about, I still followed his advice. So when I got to the end of uh, high school, I wanted to go to Bible college. And my dad said, um... No, I think what you should do is you you should get some education, you know, because he's a pastor. He knows ministry. He said, you get some education. So I went off to university Mm -hmm. and I, I, you know, went through all that. And I was just always wanting to go to Bible college, but just had to get my uni over and done with. Mm -hmm. But, you know, as I was going through, I got to the end of it. And I'm thinking, yippee, now is the time for Bible college. And my dad said, hey, son, before you go to Bible college, and tell people how to live their lives. You should live life yourself first. Mm-hmm. So you need to go get a job. Yeah. And so I did. I went and got a job with uh, Price Waterhouse. I worked with them for a couple of years, but then something happened. I was promoted so quickly. Like every six months, I was getting a promotion, and uh, it's supposed to be every two years. But every six months, I was getting a promotion, and I was promoted so quickly that I was offered partnership of Price Waterhouse youngest ever mm. to be offered partnership of such a large uh, practice. And uh, I thought, this is amazing. This is like the, the dream come yeah. true for any executive, right? And so I went to my dad and I said, hey, dad, you know, this, is, this has been offered. I'm offered partnership. And he said, now's the time to go to Bible college. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I followed that through. <laughs> wow.
0: Tough call, hey? <laughs> yeah. Well, it
1: was at the time, but I don't regret it. And, and where would you study? I started with uh, what's now called Alpha Crucis, Mm -hmm. but it used to be called Southern Cross Bible College when Mm -hmm. I went to it. And I had the great privilege of working alongside uh, a great minister called David Cartledge. Oh, yes. And he is known to be a man of faith. Yep. And uh, that's where I cut my teeth. I I was actually in his office. I worked side by side with him uh, on a project moving the college from uh, where it was in Katoomba to Chester Hill. And uh, because of my experience and business acumen, they they put me right up there working alongside him, and mm-hmm. it was a great joy. That that really is where I learnt faith. I learnt how to carve out things in faith. There you go. And uh, and so it was an incredible impartation for me. So three mm. years, to David Cartledge. There you go. And uh, it was great.
0: Well, you know, when I did Bible College, it was Rema Bible College from Townsville. Oh yes. And it was uh, I did it via correspondence, yep. but it was David Cartledge's material. And also Robbo, who does the Brecky Show on Vision Radio here, also studied through Rema through David Cartlidge. So, yeah, we've got a lot to owe him for his uh, legacy, hey?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And that's probably why we're all people of faith. Yeah, We, really, right. we really believe for things. Yep. We know how to push through with things. We know to yep. not give up and go for it, you know? Yep, yep. And uh, I think that a lot of it comes from what we would call our spiritual mentor or spiritual yeah. dad, yep. uh, David Cartlidge, indeed. So, mm. um,
0: and what about ministry? Where did you end up serving after Bible college?
1: Well, after college, I, um, uh, well, when I was during college. Uh, during college, everybody thought it was really spiritual to work uh, part-time packing shelves somewhere, <laughs> and I, d- I didn't quite get that concept. So I started a business uh, when I was at uh, college, a consulting practice, uh-huh. and um, that uh, was, you know, uh, earning huge amounts of money, which was really great. I ended up employing about sixteen people in the college, but through that. I was then able to sustain myself. Mm-hmm. So, out of college, I went into church planting. Oh, wow. And I planted my first church uh, near Hornsby it's in skinny. a place called Mount Cola. Okay. And uh, that just took off. I mean, it was powerful. I actually planted it through alpha groups. Okay. So, I just started with, uh, you know, just your normal alpha group yep. and uh, invited all these people. In the first uh, flow through of the first session of alpha groups, we had. Forty people saved. Wow! And then we did it again. Mm-hmm. We had another forty people saved, so about eighty people saved, and that's when we started the church. Fantastic! So, absolutely amazing start. And uh, I thought it would be easy. We got all these new Christians. We just go into it, and then I had to learn the concept of discipleship. <laughs> <laughs> so, that was interesting.
0: Uh, good, good. Well, we are going to open the phone lines shortly. We're talking about miracles in missions today. And I'd love to get you to unpack a little bit about the World Hope Network. Uh, Just tell us a little bit about how it all began.
1: Well, um, it uh, it began in uni because uh, I'd had such a great childhood and my dad was an amazing guy and uh, my mom and we just loved, you know, I had a great childhood. And when I went to uni, I then realized that there are people in the world that just because they were born in a different country or just because they have a different race, that they did not have access to the gospel and did not have great childhoods. It was like an eye-opener for me. Mm. And it was just not right. And a real heart of compassion developed to take the gospel to people who were underprivileged or did not have access like I did. It's like, well, just because I was born in Australia and I had great parents, I had a great life. But there are so many people out there that don't. And that really that really stirred me. And so when I started my first church, I determined not to just do missions as, you know, you take 10% of your offering and dedicate it to the missions board or whatever. I thought, no, I'm going to roll up my sleeves. I'm going to get actively involved in helping people. And that really is the heart. World Hope was birthed or the missions push was birthed out of a desire to help people, to show them the love of God, and when they saw the love of God in action, they would ask questions, and I could tell them about the reason that I was doing what I was doing. And that's how it really started. So we started with um, in Thailand in the uh, war-torn area mm-hmm. between Thailand and Burma, and we uh, went out and started uh, doing things like setting up fish farms and 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 you know like projects like that to help the community, to help people to find employment. Our our motto was. Uh, um, show the love of God first, preach later, and, uh, <laughs> and we did that. And yep. that just then turned into people really you know, excited about you know what, what we were doing and asking questions, why were you doing it? And that led to the gospel. We saw uh, many people get saved, and within a couple of years, we'd planted 27 churches in Thailand. Wow. And it all comes out of first really having a heart of compassion mm. to take the gospel to people, to show them the gospel, mm. not just... Speak about it, but show them the gospel mm. through acts of love, through genuine compassion, and then people just respond to that. Even the hardest hearts open up. Yeah, so to good that,
0: to that action. <laughs> and I know you've done missions in uh, yeah, Thailand, like you mentioned, Vietnam, Cambodia, Pakistan. Uh, any other countries that you've you've focused on other than
1: those ones? Well, Australia as well. Yeah, um, really, real heart for the indigenous people. Yeah, um, and you know, every country has a history, mm. and every country has a story. Australia has its own story. And, uh, you know, just uh, uh, one of my greatest friends is an ind- indigenous man in Normanton. He's uh, the son of the al- uh, chief elder of that region. And he calls me his, um, his closest white friend. And I-, <laughs> I love that. I-, I think that's a great honor. Mm. But, you know, when I was, you know, seven, eight years old, playing, uh, you know, with, you know, Darth Vader and uh, R2-D2, Star Wars with my brother <laughs> and having a good time. This same guy, my age, was being locked up in a tin shed along with ten other families under the, um, you know, care of a curator, and you know, absolutely horrific childhood. Mm. All that he wasn't allowed to com- practice his singing and his dancing and things like that. And I just realized, just in in my own country, mm. this this man, who, just because of his race and just because he was, you know, is indigenous and he's mm. bo- and and not didn't have the privileges that I had, was so you know disadvantaged, mm. and my heart went out for. Him. I just love this guy. Mm. We've become close friends. He's now uh, a Christian a pastor, and he says that um you no, know, he was an angry man, but the grace of God just came upon him, and because we understand the love of God, that that. All that tension is gone between us. We like we really are like brothers, mm. and that is the hope for any nation, but the hope for Australia. So that's so we do work in a, Indigenous Australia. We work through um, a, a few countries I can't mention. Yes. Okay. Uh, yep. Um, mm-hmm. uh, on on air, uh, but it's really uh, what really gets me going is where people have been disadvantaged, mm. uh, or where there's where they say it's impossible to share the gospel, mm. Mm. and that, that that to me doesn't seem right. It's like why should anybody uh, be restricted in what they can hear re- concerning religious things and you know Christian things and so it really is an, it's an act of justice I feel like a justice bone in my yeah. body to say no that's not right awesome. and so whenever there's that opportunity I will target those countries and really seek to share the gospel
0: Sue from Brisbane, how are you doing Sue? Yeah good things, Matt, how are you? Very good, have you got a mission trip you're going on?
2: Uh, yes, yeah my husband and I we're going next uh, uh, Friday week um, over to Kenya. And, uh, yeah, God put missions on my heart like years. When I look back, it was even before I was saved, actually, um, that I can, um, see the love that I had for Africa. And, uh, we, we started a small sponsorship program and, and we've, we've got a, just a little charity going and we go over every year. We've built a couple of classrooms, but, um, I can relate to Daniel, what Daniel said about, You know, just the it breaks my heart to see these kids just don't have the same opportunity as our kids. You know, they've got all the toys and electronics and whatever. And uh, these kids, because they were born in, you know, such a poor country and sometimes corrupt countries, you know, that they just don't have that opportunity. And it just, as I said, breaks my heart to see the hopelessness in their eyes sometimes, you know. So the miracle that I love seeing is that when it switches on, and and you're telling them about the love of God and how much Jesus loves them, and that hope just comes alive. You know, I love seeing that.
0: Daniel, have you been over to uh, that part
1: of the world before? I have indeed. I've been to all, all through Africa, uh-huh. and uh, you're so right, Sue. When you see that there's like a you can see it in their eyes, you can see the mm. the desperation the hopelessness in their eyes, and it is such a joy when you see them receive not only your love in practical ways but when they receive the message of the gospel yeah. you, you can see the shift in their eyes and suddenly they're filled with hope yeah and uh yeah. it's such a blessing i mean i don't i don't know who gets more blessed <laughs> the person that yeah. I'm going to help or myself. And yeah, I think, true. I always walk back from a missions trip thinking, oh, that is such a blessing to be involved with that.
2: Oh, yeah, I know. I spend most of the time crying while I'm there, you know, <laughs> because it just touches your heart, you it know. Does. But I was just wondering, Matt, whether uh, uh, Daniel would be able to pray for us as we go over next week because we go every year um, and, as I said, you know, we we feel the opposition... Um, you know, start to come in. So uh, I was just wondering whether Daniel will be able to pray.
1: I'd, I'd love to do that, Sue. So I'm going to pray for all people involved in missions. This has been my yeah. experience, actually, Sue, that uh, it's when you're about to go on a missions trip, everything comes against you. And uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, suddenly the fridge breaks down. There's been a fridge okay for the last two years. Why does it suddenly break down oh, now? Those sorts of things happening. Took- you know, Our and, flights
2: have been changed three times, oh. and one leg cancelled. <laughs>
1: it's it's a familiar story, you know. Flights change, yeah. you know, sickness comes, this and so. On. It's yeah. all just the enemy trying to discourage you. Mm. We're going to come <laughs> against that spirit of de- discouragement right now, and for everybody involved in missions, we just supernaturally declare over them. Absolute victory in Amen. all their uh, situations. We encourage their faith. We lift their faith up to believe that no matter what comes their way, they can overcome and they can persevere and they can stick it out because the reward is great. The victory is great. And I declare over your life, Sue, and declare over all people involved in missions, absolute Joy in doing the work of the Lord. And I pray as you minister that you will feel the presence of the Holy Spirit on, on top of, uh, around you and helping you. And you'll feel the presence of God being with you. And you'll be able to minister to these people and bless them with the good news of the gospel. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. Thanks, Thanks for your
0: call. God bless. Bye bye. And uh, you're welcome to call through and join the conversation on 1-800-316-316. And we've got Lee from Kabul in Victoria. How are you doing, Lee? Okay, let's try this yeah, one here. Lee, I've already
1: left permissions
0: Lee, are you there? No, we haven't got Lee there. We'll try one more time. Are you there, Lee? Okay. Okay, we'll try calling back, Lee, if you're not there. Uh, We'd love to hear from you today, 1-800-316-316. We're talking about miracles in missions. And uh, we've got a couple of minutes before the news. I understand there's a miracle in Cambodia that you guys saw on one of your
1: trips. Tell us about that. Well, Matt, this is a bit of a story. And uh, after the news, I'm going to really expand (laughs) it out. But I'm, I'm telling you, as you step out, With the love of God, you don't have an agenda. You just want to show the love of God to people. Yeah. And you have a true heart towards people. Mm. God comes through. You do your bit and God will do his bit. And I'm telling you, I have seen absolute miracles, dramatic miracles on these missions trips. And not only uh, on our missions trips, all through Australia, all through the U.S. I've seen miracle after miracle. God comes through. And this is the thing. When there is a supernatural miracle it absolutely changes the entire line, it landscape. It You true. can go to missions and you can talk about Christianity as a philosophy. Mm-hmm. But when you demonstrate it in power, then there is absolutely no debate. And people that have uh, never heard the gospel before suddenly become interested because they're seeing that, hey, there is a real God and yeah. it does uh, miraculous things do happen. So I'm absolutely committed. I look for and I absolutely pursue that one miracle that's going to turn the thing. It's going to be a supernatural yeah. event. I've got so many to share.
0: And we've got Peter from Queensland. How are you doing, Pete? Yeah, I'm
3: doing okay. Thanks, mate.
0: Have you got a question or a comment for Daniel? Um, yeah, I do, Daniel. Hey, listen,
3: mate. I'm not into missions, although I live in Woodridge, and that is my mission field. Yeah. Um, one of the biggest problems I'm having is how do we move God to pour out miracles,
1: mate? Uh, that's a really great question, and uh, I'd, I'd love to speak to that. The thing that all miracles start with is compassion. You've got to have a love for the people first. If you have a love for the people, then miracles can follow. If you're trying to see miracles happen out of any other agenda other than love, it just doesn't work. So the first step in seeing miracles happen in people's lives is really to be overwhelmed with compassion for them. For example, if somebody's sick and you see them uh, you know, in pain, that compassion for them, the heart for them, That overwhelming love for them is the foundation to begin all prayer and to begin all faith. Thank God we've got hope in the Lord Jesus Christ, who is a healing God. In Exodus 15, he said, I am the Lord God that healeth thee. So we can appeal to him and we can really, uh, you know, press into God and believe that he's going to come through. And that is our hope. That is, that's the message of Christianity, that we do have somewhere to go with these things. But it starts with the same thing that moved Jesus' heart, and that's compassion. And I've actually written a, a, a whole um, thing that you can download. It's called, uh, you can go to the website, www.danielzelli, the digit nine, so Danielzelli, nine supernatural com, and you can download a free guide and exactly that how to live a supernatural life. Thank you so much for your question. I really love it.
3: So, if we're um, relying on humanity to show the love of Christ to somebody and they're not showing the love of Christ to somebody, How is a miracle going to be performed?
1: Well, you know, there are so many uh, different things happening in the world, and uh, what we're responsible for is our own lives. Are we showing the love of God? You know, we can say, oh, this person's not doing, that person's not doing, and, you you know, that might be true. But really, it is our responsibility to govern, you know, what we uh, feel and what we do. And so I would encourage everybody that um, is really moving in missions, doing anything in missions, always start with a heart of compassion. You you take the lead, you take you take the initiative. you be the person that goes and sees love demonstrated to people. And God's going to come through. I can I can promise you that because God is love himself. And when he sees love you know, operating in your life, you're actually displaying the love of God. Thank you so much for your question. Just remind you of that website. You can da- download that on uh, from www.denielozelli9supernaturalsteps.com. Back to you, Maddie.
0: Thanks for your call, Pete. And uh, if anyone else would like to call through, phone lines are open on 1-800-316-316. If you'd like to ask a question about miracles in missions or if you've got a comment or a story about uh, missions, we'd love to hear from you. You can call through on 1-800-316-316. We've got Daniel with us for another 20 minutes, so now's the time to call. Or you can make a comment at facebook.com forward slash vision radio. We've got a Facebook comment here from Pastor Mike, Uh, At Facebook, Michael Mills, he said, I'm taking a group from our church to the islands of Bahol in the Philippines in November, and we'll be helping the local pastors with preaching and teaching, and uh, we'll also be in local schools as the Lord leads. It's part of a missionary group we're part of called Island Gospel Ministry. Um, I've actually been to Bahol. There's an orphanage there our church supports, so it's a beautiful part of the world in the Philippines, and uh, I've got a, a good joke about the Philippines I love to tell Daniel, can I tell you? Um, I love jokes. Yeah, yeah. Come on, Manny, bring it on. So uh, I've got a friend who's a yoga instructor in Manila in the Philippines, yeah. They call him the Manila Folder. Yeah, that's a bad joke. That's it. Anyway, but no, a big shout-out to – I've got Mandy outside shaking her head. A big shout-out to all of those uh, uh, who are going on mission trips and particularly any Filipinos that are listening. Please forgive me for that terrible joke. Hey, if you'd like to join the conversation, call through on 1-800-316-316. And, uh, Daniel, you've uh, seen many great miracles, uh, and there's a story in Cambodia we're going to share with us, mate. Go for it.
1: Well, man – I, uh, I have seen great, many great miracles, and we always go on missions in the context of a team. And what's really important to me is that uh, we don't have one superstar for the whole team. Everybody's involved together, mm. and they're working as a team. And I have this fundamental belief that it's the same Holy Spirit in me as the, anybody else. Yeah. So if I can move in healing and praying for the sick, so can every other believer. So I am committed, absolutely committed to raising believers, mm. everybody. To move in the supernatural, Mm. to see miracles, signs, and wonders in their life. Mm. And that uh, is greatly uh, illustrated by um, one of the miracles I saw in Cambodia. And this is a famous story called uh, The Story of Lady Number Seven. Okay. And uh, she's actually a grandmother, she's Grandma Owen, she's 82 years old. And this is how I encountered Grandma Number Seven. What was wrong with her is that she had a disability where uh, her back had fused through an autoimmune disease and for about Mm. 20 years it had fused over and she walked with her face to the ground. She could not stand up straight. Wow. Impossible to stand up straight. And so uh, because she walked with her face to the ground, if you looked at her side on, she looked like a number seven. And so her nickname in the community was Grandma lady number seven. And uh, she came to our medical clinic and what we have been doing in Cambodia, is setting up medical clinics and uh, how these medical clinics work is that we do, you know, show the love of God by doing practical things. And so we have a, a team of doctors and we raise money for pharmacy and we do all these things. And there's about uh, five to six stations that people have to go through as they progress through this medical clinic. Mm. And so they would go and get their triage done first, get their things, you know, get their blood pressure taken, get a consultation, get some medicine. At the end of that time, we ask this question, would you like to hear why we do this? Mm. And would you like to hear about Jesus? And, and, you know, most people say Yes. Uh, although we don 't tie um, the receipt of you know the medical care to the they have to hear about jesus it 's optional because we want to just show the love of God unconditionally, mm-hmm. but we do make that option available and most people say yes, then uh, when they hear the gospel we 'll also pray for healing so that 's the context so this i 'll set the scene we 're in the middle of cambodia it 's dusty and we 've gone to do a medical clinic at tank division number five uh, the the army uh, head, um, you know, tank division up in the northern part of Cambodia. And so it's uh, it's a dusty place, and we uh, there's no rooms to do our clinic in, so the clinic's outside. And we have set up some seats under a tent, and all the army guys come, and they sit in the tents, they get a number, and then one by one, they'll go to the medical clinic and progress through that clinic. And on this particular day, it's about 300 soldiers all sitting there. Now, in Cambodia, on these, uh, you know, these bases, they all live together. The whole family lives together. The mm. grandma, uh, you know, the chickens, the cat, everybody lives <laughs> together. And uh, they live in these homes together. And so um, if there was a soldier there, then their, you know, their family, the extended family, also lives on that base. And this is the case with Grandma Number 7. Mm. She uh, was uh, the grandmother of a, uh, one of the soldiers that were in the base. And she came to the clinic right at the early part of the day and I saw her and because she's elderly and she was obviously struggling with her bent over, I, I just progressed her without a number right to the beginning of the clinic. So here we are. We're outside. We have uh, you know all the clinic stations set up around tables under tents and facing the clinic is about 300 soldiers mm. all waiting their turn to receive medical care. Now, when they progressed through this clinic, we had backed out the tank from the tank garage, and that become our prayer room. And so lady number seven goes through the clinic. The doctor said, there's nothing we can do. This is an autoimmune immune diseases like arthritis in the back. Even in the first world country, you can't do anything with this lady. Wow. Um, just give her heaps of painkillers, which we did. We gave her some medicine. And then we asked, would you like to hear about the gospel? Well, she said yes. So we sent her into tank. Uh, the tank garage. And and so you can imagine the scene. The clinic's outside. The soldiers are facing the clinic and there's a tank garage off to the left and people just disappear into that and we'll see what happens next. Well, you wouldn't believe it. When she went into the tank garage, she accepted Christ when she heard the message of love and how God loves her Mm. for the first time in 82 years of age. Wow. And it was such a blessing. Everybody's cheering and happy. Mm. And then we asked this question, would you like us to pray for your healing? And, well, she said, yes. You know, I'd like to be able to stand up straight. And so we began to pray. Now, there was two evangelists that I was working with. One was a Cambodian person. Another one was a a Malaysian person. And they were, you know, leading the teams that were praying for these uh, people that were asking for healing. That's an important point, Matt because I really believe that every believer can move in the supernatural. It's not just one person. That's good. So we train our teams to pray for the sick. We pray that you can do this. Mm. You have the anointing power of the Holy Spirit upon you. You can do this. Mm. And so these uh, two were responsible for that team. And uh, they prayed for her, and nothing happened. Just nothing happened. And so they prayed for her again, and nothing happened. And then they started to talk amongst themselves. And by this time, Lady Seven had got up from her chair, and she was about to exit the tank garage. And these two were discussing, the Malaysian lady and the Cambodian evangelist, they were discussing. You know, the Cambodian guy said, I think we should pray for her again. And the Malaysian lady saying, no, but we've got 300 people out there. We've prayed for her. We just released that, you know. And they were having like this bit of conversation going mm-hmm. on back and forth. I think we should. I don't think we can, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Whilst they were talking, a rice farmer pastor who's illiterate, he learns all this stuff by audio. Just a simple, humble guy. There's a small little group of people that meet under a house. Um, We have extended high houses in Cambodia, so there's Mm -hmm. underneath the house they just meet and have a bit of a group together. He's just a simple, humble guy. Whilst these two really powerful evangelists were talking away, thinking, should we, should we not, et cetera, et cetera, he just walks up behind her, places his hand on Lady Seven's number uh, um, on her back, and he just says these simple words. Be healed in Jesus' name. You wouldn't believe what happened then. Yeah. She just completely stood up straight. Wow. And I'm telling you, when people realized she'd stood up straight, they looked around and they were completely amazed. They were absolutely like ecstatic. And suddenly there was ruptures of, you know, noise yeah. and shouting. And yeah. you know, and so You know, all this commotion was going on and and suddenly from the tank garage, if you were on the outside, you know, you suddenly hear all this noise and and people going, yay, and cheering and Mm. what's going on. So now all the attention from the 300 soldiers is looking towards that tank garage. Wow. And you know what happens? Because one of the things I ask is go back to the presenting doctor make sure miracles happen. Lady number seven comes out of that tank garage now, Lady Number One, completely straight, <laughs> and she walks right in front of all those soldiers, and it was like a Mexican wave. You this. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. She's you standing see, up. She's straight. Yeah, you could yeah. see her go through the, you know, through the crowd. They were just absolutely amazed. Awesome. And it was a like everybody knows her for twenty years. She's mm. walked this way, mm. and suddenly she's walking up straight. Mm. What happened? And so now uh, we had another problem. Suddenly, all the soldiers were so excited about what they'd just seen because they knew her that they didn't want to go to the doctors and do all that. They just wanted to go straight. They just into wanted the, prayer <laughs> straight, in, straight into the tank garage. Whatever happened in there is good. Wow. And we want it. And so, you know, that day we saw about 100 and 160 Soldiers give their heart to the Lord Praise God. because of a supernatural sign. Yeah. So you can talk about how good God is and this and that, and it's a philosophy. But when you demonstrate the power of God in reality, yeah. it no longer is a philosophy. It becomes a reality. Yeah. And that's what I look for. So there's that one miracle that absolutely turned that base yeah. around. And we saw so many uh, you know, soldiers give their heart to the Lord, able to start a church there wow. and other things. That's what I mean, the supernatural yeah. life. And I believe that's available for every Everyone. believer.
0: It's like something out of the Bible. It's, it's fantastic. And, you know, it's happening all over the world today. Hey, if you'd like to join the conversation, call through on 1-800-316-316. Our guest is Pastor Daniel Zelly from Glory City Church and World Hope Network. And we've got Neville from Rockhampton. How are you doing, Neville? Hi, how are you going? Good. Have you got a question or a comment?
3: Uh, just a comment. I, I I've been on a missions trip. I, I went with uh uh pastors I used to be with a Brian and Bernard Etnwell Holland. They run a um they've got a, a ministry they call Miracle to the Nations mm-hmm. and they go all over the world and they, they basically uh yeah, it's a it's a ministry where they, they preach the gospel but they also do a lot of concentration on uh on healing ministry. Mm. That's why it's called miracle to the nations. I, I went to Indonesia with them, and um, saw many many miracles. Hundreds of people who were healed, and of those hundreds of people who were healed, and many of them actually come to the Lord.
0: Yeah, awesome.
3: Because uh, God uses God uses miracles to bring people in, and uh, I I just I have to encourage people to really look at themselves if they if they can get on a missions trip. They will learn so much and do so much. i that, that happened many years ago, well, about five years ago. But I'm still on fire. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. I, uh, as soon as I've, um, I've I've turned sixty-five a few months ago, and I'm, I'm getting to the stage where I, I, I want to um, make missions one of the concentration things in my life. You know, mm-hmm.
1: that's a good plan.
3: Uh, but yeah, I, I, some of the miracles that happen there are you know, just um, a lot of a lot of times when you pray when we prayed to people. You didn't just pray for them once. Sometimes you had to pray for them three or four times, even five or six times, sometimes to see them completely healed. And, and there was things I, I learned that you have to listen to the Holy Spirit when you're doing it. Cause I, there was one man I prayed for, um, he was in, he was caring for his brother. He was a big man and his brother, his, uh, um, brother was a quadriplegic and he had to lift him in and out of the wheelchair and do stuff for him all the time. And he hurt his back. And I prayed for him three or four times and I wasn't getting anywhere at all. And Bernadette was, uh, we were doing, we had a big line of people um, across the church and, and Bernadette walked past and she said, lying spirit. And uh, we were using interpreters and as soon as she said lying spirit, I knew straight away it hit me that that there was a spirit lying to this bloke. He was healed, but but the spirit was lying to him, so... I, I just I just told that lying spirit to get off him and straight away he stood up straight and he gave me a bear hug, nearly broke my back. <laughs> oh, really? But, but it, it was just the fact that I, I was only new to this thing and I, I, hadn't, I hadn't learned enough, but um, you, you learn as you go and, and God teaches you as you go. And yeah, it,
1: absolutely right. Neville, it, it actually says in the Bible that the Holy Spirit is the teacher of all things. And I you know, I just congratulate you, but I want to impress upon everybody to have a heart to believe that God can work through them supernaturally. Yeah. You know, the the it says in the Bible, lay hands on the sick. And they shall recover. Mm. Now, that is actually a call to all believers. It's mm. not just a few people. Lay, no, it's everybody. Lay hands on the sick and believe that God can work through you. I'm so passionate about raising believers to really move in this way. If you go to www.danielzelli9supernaturalsteps, you can download a guide. And uh, Neville, um, thank you for your comments because you, we are on the same plane here. We're believing that everybody can believe for a miracle on missions, and we've certainly seen that.
0: Thanks so much, Neville, for your call. And we've got Jonathan from Perth in WA. How are you doing, Jonathan?
4: Yeah, I'm doing all right. Have
0: you got a question yeah, or a comment? You
4: know, I have a, a testimony in 19, I think like 80, 1992 or 1993. Eh, we went to a service in the church. I was a pastor in the church, a refugee church. Yeah. So we went to a church, and uh, from 1 to another, we had a service. fine. At the end of the service, one of the members is in America now. She was completely stiff. She cannot move anywhere. Knees and everything bent on the ground. So I just, the Spirit talked to me and said, Pray with a woman. So I went, I I just hold her hand. I said, In the name of Jesus, you know, everything's stiff. You know, when is stiff, you know what I'm talking about. I can't move anything. I said, In the name of Jesus, I brought the right hand. So yeah. your crook, it came in your place. I did it I did a left foot, I did a right foot. The woman who we was there on the knee cannot move, she began to move. We were happy. From that time, she's now in America. That's the time I saw a quick power of God moving right there in you. I'm, I'm not a hero, I'm not bad doing it, but right there, God proved because I called the
0: Jonathan, thank you so much for calling up. Uh, it's a bit of a blurry line there, but uh, sounds like a great miracle. We love hearing these miracle stories. Um, Daniel, before we wrap up today, we've got a few minutes. I'm just curious to ask you, uh, you know, we see a lot of miracles when we go to places like Cambodia or Papua New Guinea or Africa or around the world. And we're seeing some miracles here in Australia. but we hear so many more stories of miracles around the world. Why do you think we don't see as many miracles in Australia as we do in these other nations? You know, I
1: <laughs> often get asked that question, and I hear so many responses. <laughs> oh, it's because they really need, they don't have medicine, things like that. Yeah. But, you know, really I think there's two things happening here. Yeah. There is an anticipation and expectation from people mm-hmm. that we've come to help. Mm. And so there is a faith for receiving help. Yep. But there's also, with the training that we do, um, there's a strong training that they can move in the supernatural. Yeah. And we've certainly been training that all through this Australia and all through the U.S. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Matt, there's not a, a week that goes by that I don't see a miracle. Awesome. I want to put to bed this uh, myth that it only happens yes. over in third world countries. I'm yeah. telling you, God is the same God everywhere. Yeah. He is the same Holy Spirit in you and me everywhere. Yeah. And so it's the same God moving in the same world. And we are seeing just as many miracles in the first world countries as as we are seeing in the third world countries, because God is moving across our nations like never before, this is a day for the exaltation of the believers to become everything that god 's called them to be. This is a, there is a revival happening across our lands Amen. at the moment, and people are starting to believe that God can use them Amen Miraculously. Absolutely.
0: Well, if people want to find out more, they can go to worldhope.com if they want to find out more about the uh, the missions uh, around the world in uh, many different nations Pakistan, Vietnam. Cambodia uh and uh you know uh, all in Australia as well among indigenous people and uh I just reckon Daniel uh it's a it's a season of missions I, I'm just seeing an acceleration of missions wherever I go more and more people are being sent out and I believe it's Australia's time uh, to be a mission sending nation more than ever. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Oh, absolutely. Mm. I think uh, God is raising apostolically Australia to be mm. a nation that sends people to the nations. Mm. Mm. And there's actually been prophesied across, you know, or uh, uh, well, over Australia by many famous evangelists and things mm. like that, mm. that uh, in the end, time revival, yeah. that Australia was going to be significant. In seeing God's power and God's spirit move across the nation So I I do believe it's Australia's time Yeah, And uh, it's so good to be a part of what God's doing across the nations
0: Absolutely, well Daniel, thank you so much for your time today mate, God bless
2: Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand From Vision Christian Media To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au